0: You all may be seated, and as you are, uh, would you join me in welcoming the Susan to the stage today? Come on up. This is... We have dear friends, or a couple of our best friends, Chris and Susan Willard, and they're a few years older than us, have been married about 30 years. They live in Orlando. He's a pastor of Discovery Church, and we would double date with them back in the day down in Florida, and he called his wife the fabulous Susan, every time, the fabulous Susan. And I thought, man, I'm just... I got to up my game here, so... The fabulous Susan, ladies and gentlemen. She's right here and it's not yeah. Um we years ago when we married, I I remember this so well about our wedding. It was the La Venta Inn in Palos Verdes, California beautiful setting and we got married and her sisters she has two younger sisters they were like chasing the limousine as we drove away in tears they were uh, mad sad that I was taking her all the way across I was
1: not crying by the way you were not hey, they good, were, yeah they were not.
0: crying there you go but we were heading all the way across the country so they're a little bit sad slash mad at me and then a few years later I brought you back and then lo and behold we moved here and we've been here a long time about 18 years we're no longer young but we've been in the SIP about 18 years, and I just, one of the early memories of you adjusting to life in Mississippi. She loves the pace of life and the cost of living, and uh, she loves the people. She can't get used to the humidity and the bugs and other things. But uh, it was just fun that first year, especially the southern, uh, shall we say, colloquialisms, the things that you're just not used to hearing in the big, fancy, urban, cosmopolitan, sophisticated places that you're from and you've lived. And so uh, here we've collected some of those. We've got to harken back. But th- these are southern sayings it took Susan a while to get.
1: I still have so many questions about many of these. Show enough, do hickey, what you know good, right quick. I've been guilty of that. When when that one comes out of my mouth, and I'm like, wow, I've been here a long time. Quit being ugly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she didn't. Re- she thought people were talking about their children's physical appearance yes, or something. Yes, literally. <laughs>
1: Plum, worn out, plum crazy. Yeah. Plum
0: goes with anything good, I really.
1: Cra- yeah. uh, blank as it as all get out. Yeah, um, from the get go, that's very popular. Have a conniption, have a hissy fit.
0: Yeah, and I, there's doctors in the room. Is conniption a medical term? That's know. a figure of speech. Yeah, there it is. Okay, okay, we're getting uh, conflicted said. reports over here. But yeah. Uh, we weren't sure about that. I remember asking me one time, what's a conniption? But hissy fit is, I think, deeper than a, than a conniption. And uh, she was like, what did they just say? We were leaving a dinner party. Hissy fit. I heard, it, shared it like twice over dinner that night. And, and I'm just like, babe, you got to get out of the way when someone's about to have a hissy fit. <laughs> and um, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about a hissy fit. Do you remember when you first time you heard a uh, matter than a wet hen? And that's a farmer's thing. I'm not a farmer, but I can tell her that, you know, some of y'all know uh, a hen, you, the farmer goes for the eggs. Uh, the hen doesn't want to give up the eggs and so the hen doesn't get up so you throw water on the hen and so the hen's mad at you for two reasons you're taking her eggs and you made her all wet so we're <laughs> we're going to talk about that today about in this second installment of our series I've got issues and young Daniel did a superlative job last week talking about I've got anxiety and today I've got hissy fits I get madder than a blue pen blue hen I get I get um, I get angry so in that regard uh. Some of you may be aware of something called Rage Rooms. Anybody aware of Rage Rooms? It started, as I've studied it, with uh, something called the uh, Destruction Depot. Now, we know about Home Depot. Uh, if you're a man, you shop at Home Depot weekly at least. Uh, many of you buy supplies at Office Depot, and, but uh, there's a reality uh, called Destruction Depot. It started in Dearborn, Michigan, and it spawned. I've shared this before, but it since then it spawned all these rage rooms and there's one in jackson and the idea is that you go you need you're about to have a hissy fit and so you go into a room where and it's a proper place to have your hissy fit you're going to vent your angry emotions so they're tools tools like Hammers, hammers not good enough, there's sledgehammers, there's golf clubs, there's baseball bats, there's crowbars, you go in and there are objects that you will hit. You pay money, of course, it's a business like escape room is a business, so are rage rooms or destruction depots, but you go in and you hit objects, everyday objects like dishes and glasses and vases, appliances, electronics, Computer uh, monitors, televisions, printers, all that stuff. And you just take it out. The people pay money and they go in in protective padding. Uh, you are wearing a mask. You're wearing a shield and you're in there. And you're just smashing things into smithereens. Just letting the objects have it. And it's popular for birthday parties, corporate events, and ladies' night out. And 80% of the clients at Rage Room are women. Explain that one for us. Because...
1: They can break things, and they don't have to clean it up.
0: Ah, there you go. Yep, that's it. That's it. We know about, uh, well, we may not know about rage runes, but we know about road rage, don't we? I looked up a dictionary definition, not that I needed to, but road rage uh, is defined as angry, aggressive uh, behavior on the part of a driver that sometimes includes uh, verbal insults, physical assaults, rude and offensive gestures, and deliberate a uh, bad driving practices targeted at another driver or pedestrian for the purpose of of intimidation or airing out their frustrations which i want to know if someone's doing that stuff to me verbal insults physical stuff you know all rude and obscene i, I want to know like are you are you inti- trying to intimidate me or you're just expressing your frustration because that would help how i respond uh, on the road i was uh, laughing earlier at the first service that it would be funny a great irony if someone was driving to a uh, a room a rage room and they were um you know had road rage would not that be kind of ironic if that actually happened but rage is around us and we get mad we have it in us and so we're, what we're not going to do today everybody relax we're not going to stand up here and say don't get angry in fact we're going to tell you to get angry we want to talk to you today deeper at a deeper level. There's, there's ways that we all experience anger. We're very different. After 24 plus years of marriage, we've learned a lot about each other, and we've learned a lot about how the other experiences and expresses anger. And it's all been smooth and easy, right? A bed of roses, just a piece of cake. Walk, you know. Three types of ways that we express anger. Let's look at it this way. The first is extroverted anger. And then the introverted anger, and we'll call it the third, let's call it crusader anger. Extrovert anger is when you just let it out. It's really like your personality. Extroverted anger is shouted out. It's, it's people know how you feel. Introverted anger is when you don't shout out, but you shut down. And stay with me for a second. Important pastoral moment here. Both can be equally sinful and unloving. And it's easy to say, well, you know, I, I've got the high, look at so-and-so, they they just blew a gasket. Look at them, man, they need that rage room the preacher was talking about. Look at what they've done. They need to be in a padded room. And, the, you know, I'm over here and I'm not yelling, I'm not cussing, I'm not screaming. I didn't have a, an outburst and so I'm, I'm a little bit better over here. But there is an endless way in marriage and in all the relationships that matter, there's an endless way to be sinful and unloving with each other and hurtful, and sulking, and avoiding, and withdrawing, and pleasing, and placating, and on and on. There's a way that you could look at each other or not look at each other. There's a way you can touch or not touch. There's a way that you can say something or not say something, and all those things can come into play, and both extroverted anger and introverted anger. Look, one is not necessarily Uh, One plays out better on television, one plays out better in sports, one gets more headlines, but they both, as I said, can be equally sinful and equally unloving. Both extroverted anger, both introverted anger is, it's essentially this, it's I'm not getting my way, I'm not getting what I deserve. And then you have a way, we have a different way. Y'all want to guess how it works up here? Uh, Introverted expression of anger extroverted expression of anger both can be good both can be unloving and sinful um, but both are about um, i don't think and it's a judgment call sometimes i don't think i'm getting what i deserve but crusader anger is when we say uh, i don't think so and so is getting what they deserve i don't think a people group i don't think a marginalized people group i don't i don't think uh, certain people that are hurting or left out are getting what they deserve. And so crusader anger, hear me now, not getting into politics, just following Jesus. It's a Jesus demonstrated this. In fact, Paul, one of the early brilliant followers of Jesus would say in Ephesians 4, be angry and do not sin. So there's a right kind of anger. God's anger is always righteous. You'll see it on the screen in a minute, but it it talks to us in James 1 about the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. God's anger is righteous. You know, scripture says he's slow to anger. He's slow to anger and like, I don't like God's wrath. I'm subtracting that. I don't like Well, you do love God's wrath. You do love God's anger because it's an essential part of his love. If you remove anger from it, what, what are you left with? Indifference. Uh, don't tell any stories on me, but I know Susan has, has uh, appreciated my anger at times because anger stands up and anger protects and it can be such a such a good thing. So those types of anger. So the question back early in this message is, uh, what is your relationship with anger? It's, it's important to know this. When Jesus gave the most famous sermon ever, called "The Sermon on the Mount," he talked about kingdom life. and he talked about God's kingdom, the call for all of us I hope we put this in front of you every single Sunday, no matter who's up here it's for you to live the kingdom. It's for you to live not according to your kingdom, because everybody's got a kingdom but to live according to God's kingdom and to seek first his kingdom. But when Jesus starts talking about the kingdom and what blocks kingdom living, you know what he starts with? Anger. He starts with anger and I'm convinced that anger can be at the root of all human misery. And if you were, I mean, you just, you can just check some statistics with the National uh, domestic violence prevention line you can hear from them you can see statistics listen it's anger that causes uh, marriages to end friendships to fail businesses to go astray for neighbors to sue it for siblings to split apart uh, some of that's not just flowery poetic preacher speak some of you know those realities in your in your very own life so jesus started with anger the bible starts with Anger, when it talks about sins, Cain and Abel and Jacob and Esau and Joseph and his brothers. We preached that not too long ago here. So Jesus starts with anger because he knows what it can do to us. And in Matthew 5, uh, any note takers, verse 21 to 24 of Matthew 5, Jesus talks about, hey, y'all been talking about murder. And y'all been holding yourself up as religious people because, you you know, you hadn't gone O.J. Simpson on anybody. But that's kind of cool. Like if you if you hadn't gone OJ, you know, pat yourself on the back, but get moving. But Jesus saying, "Hey, it's that's not enough." I'm talking about ang- anger, which fractures you. If you're angry, people. If you stay mad, people will be miserable around you, and you will miss the life that God has for you. So Jesus says, "Man, let's deal." with this anger issue. And here's an early question or early uh, introduction of the Bible with Cain. I mentioned him a second ago. I love the vivid imagery at the end. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? To me, I interpret that as a mixture of anger and sadness. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now, everybody, nobody check out here, but men especially, listen to me. Boys are taught, uh, I know I'm wading into controversial water with gender, but I'm going to do it. Boys are taught from an early age, all these emotions, negative emotions you feel are all bad. Don't be sad, don't worry, don't cry. But when, when a boy shows anger, hey, he's doing something about it. He can't like, that's a manly quality. So we teach our boys to grow up and we teach them to be angry. And this vivid imagery I love, God is it's its like God is saying, hey, there's this um, uh, animal at your door. It's crouching at your door. And if you don't master it, if you don't bring it under control, it will come in and it will actually consume you. It will devour you. Strong picture there. Do you know the story Cain didn't? He didn't control it. And what happened? It's the, the history's first murder. God asked Jonah. Jonah saw injustices in the world do you see any injustices in the world he saw injustice and God asked him the question because something was boiling up in him Jonah 4 4 but the Lord replied is it right for you to be angry and really that's the question is it right for you to be angry y'all we need some crusader anger you hear me say it up here a lot, but we need people to fight for their families. We need people to fight for their church. We need people to fight for what is good and take a stand against what is evil. We need that in our world today. Jesus turned temples over, angry at religious hypocrisy and people who were claiming to speak in the name of God but who weren't living with God's character. We need some crusader anger. Are you angry? Look, be angry. Be angry, but don't let the sun go down. Be angry, but be angry in the right way and so there are two greek words in matthew 5 from the sermon on the mount i know i had not put up the text but I'll ask you to read it later but here are the two unique greek words for us when it comes to anger uh Thumas and then orge. Thumas is, it's the small anger. It's the stuff that kind of the expression that we use is, you know, something got under my skin. It's the it, it, it irritates and it agitates. It's very real, but oftentimes it's small. And the Greeks kind of understood that. Hey, these are things that it's not cancer, it's measles. It's probably gonna go away and you just kind of let it rot out potentially, but it's it's real but it's not the big stuff. Orge is the Greek word for the big anger. It's the stuff that simmers and stews within you, and it's going to boil over. It's going to boil over. So this is the anger that the Scripture uh, talks about. And so here's what I want to challenge everybody with, because it's such a dominant emotion, an emotion that usually you're hurt or you're frustrated or you're disappointed, and then because of that, there's anger. I'm sitting with a San Diego State psychology major, and she can tell you that anger is a secondary emotion. A lot of you know that. But it's an emotion, as Augustine once said, there's a fire, there's smoke, rather, that points to a fire in our hearts. So we need, when we're experiencing anger, we need to see what's deeper in us. What's your relationship with anger? Are you angry? Should you be angry? Um, here's the lie that I want to challenge you not to buy into pastorally we see this a lot don't buy into the lie that i'll get over it when i get even man i'm i'm gonna beat them up i'm gonna cuss them out i'm gonna run them down i'm gonna take them to court (sighs) and then i'll feel better let that play out we've never met a happy person who lived that way Oh, well, it's a lie. It is a lie. Remember, there's two different kingdoms. There's this world's kingdom and there's Christ's kingdom. And this one I'm telling you is better. It brings more glory to God and more good in your soul if you give up on this lie. And if you've ever lived this, let, let God's grace be real for you today. There's grace on the other side of this. But if you've ever lived this out, mm, it's great for movies, for Hollywood. Like retribution, revenge movies are awesome. Like they sell a lot. But this is a lie. And if anybody's on the precipice of this in a hurtful, damaging relationship, a divorce, a pain that you're going through, some sort of betrayal, some business that has gone wrong, man, don't believe this lie. I'll get over it when I get even.
1: We love the movie, Forrest Gump. And there's a scene in that movie where Forrest and Jenny are taking a walk and they come upon the house that she grew up in suffering abuse from an alcoholic father, and we're going to show you the clip. Sometimes, I guess there just aren't enough rocks.
0: We've, uh, like some of you probably have um, benefited from the homespun wisdom of Forrest Gump, and it's true, isn't it? Like, we, we sit here today going, man, that he's right. Forrest is right. There's just not, there's not enough rocks. And what Susan did mention there, most of you know the film, but she was abused by an angry alcoholic father, and it thwarted every relationship she had had with men. Though real, there's not enough rocks. There's never enough rocks. Proverbs 29 says this about anger. It says an angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. Uh, If you have a phone, I kind of hate it when you do during church, but some of you like to take shots. This is a good shot to take of um, the 10 things that Proverbs talks about, 10 results of mishandled anger, um, according to the book of Proverbs. Some of these you'll see are somewhat synonymous. They cause reckless action. They ensnare. You think you're angry, and it's like you're going to live angry, and you think you can get out of it. And you can't and it ensnares you and it leads to a host of other problems and you're like an animal ensnared, a fowl, a bird, and a prey in a a net. It leads to foolish things. You see the list, it takes away peace. Have you never noticed an angry person just at peace? Like you just want to meditate with them and be with them and um, get their vibe by osmosis? Never. Strife, quarrels, a loss of control. And then I just want to say one thing about the last one. It, it alienates loved ones. Anger is such a unique emotion in this regard. Think about this. If you say to someone, male or female, if you say, I'm worried, then if you're with loved ones, let's, let's make that. Um, let's assume that you're with a loved one and you say, I'm worried, the response is gonna be, well, come here, let's talk about it. Hey, I'm sad. Hey, let's go for a walk and let, let's talk about it. But if you say I'm angry and you're demonstrating anger, let's put it that way, you're demonstrating anger, what's the response gonna be from the loved one? Hey, don't take that out on me. And do you see when you're angry and when you stay angry and it's it's expressed wrongly, you're pushing people away. You're You're pushing people away. So, Uh, let's go to James. Uh, We're bringing the Pew Bibles back next week. You may have brought your own Bible. We're going to have it up on the screen for everybody. But Susan, for a moment, is going to lead us into one of the great portions of Scripture, the half-brother of Jesus, talking about our anger.
1: James 119, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So this is a verse... That's relating, talk, talking, and listening. Talk less, listen more. And you have a good example from last summer that
0: she was staring into my soul when she <laughs> said that. Um,
1: share it with us. I, it 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 impressed me how you handled it.
0: Well, uh, yeah, a year ago, um, you know what the pandemic did. I mean, there's death. It's a disease. It's it's, it's a virus. It's been hard for us. It's changed essentially everything and we've all lived through it and if you lead something there's added layers uh, where people like myself just didn't know what to do which is kind of a good thing spiritually it humbles you and it was just it's like we walked in a world where everybody was suddenly an expert anybody feel that like you were hearing from everybody so there was there was one week and this is what she's referring to she remembers it as uh, being someone who chose to be married to a pastor but like it was just like I was I would open up my email one would be right next to the, the, the other it'd be like hey pastor, hey, hey Robert here's why we need to keep the the doors closed and here's 10 reasons why and here are all these articles you need to read and right next to it was hey pastor here's why we need to open up fully here's the 10 reasons why here's the the articles that you need to read hey pastor here's why you need to support the governor slash president here's the 10 reasons why the articles you need to read hey hey robert here's why you need to speak up against the president and the governor here's the 10 reasons why the articles you need to read y'all know what i did i went to colorado I took a vacation, and I put down my email. I, I had my phone with me, but I knew that most of the trip, I wouldn't even be able to hear from her. I, we went way up into the beautiful, remote alpine wilderness. We hiked, and it was rugged, the trails. And we were we were at times over 12,000 feet. A couple of guys that were with me were in the earlier service over here. But we went out, and, man, I didn't hear from anybody. And it was just a rare time where uh, now no one's going to email me for a month. But uh, I just I, I just— There was a lot of talking and I was like, God, who do I listen to? And uh, don't take this the wrong way, but it was like God was telling me, I know he was, you know, sometimes you don't know if God's telling you, but then you read his word. Like he's definitely telling me this. But in first Peter four, it says, for he who speaks, speak the oracles of God. Like, I don't have to be your mouthpiece. My job up here is not to speak on behalf of you or to say things that you want to hear or to take your side on a position. It's to speak the oracles of God. It's to, it's to bring his word to the people. I say it often. I don't have to feel this place. I need to feel this place and I need to speak his word and I need to listen. I need to listen to him. And so that slowing and the listening has really been invaluable. And I am a people pleaser. And so there's been great, as you know, you've walked with me through this um, sometimes painful journey, but uh, being able to listen to the, the one voice that matters the most has helped me in that regard.
1: Back to James 119, it's also a verse um, about anger as it relates to quick and slow, which is referring to the pace of life, really about the margin that we have in our time, which can be very connected to anger. And, um, we're going to look at margin specifically. So 80, if you're 80% full and you have 20% margin, that's good. 90% full, little margin. That's dangerous. A hundred percent full, no margin. That's explosive.
0: And the angriest people are busy people. And think about it. We've talked about this as uh, the kids mostly have left home. We're a year and a half um, away from an empty nest. You're all welcome to come back. We love you. We'll give you three square meals a day until you get a job. But, uh, you know, for us, it's like how busy have our lives been and how long can we sustain that pace but to be able to slow down and one of the things we have talked about is that we miss as you get older you miss spontaneity mm-hmm. you ever thought about this and like you become like thir- once you hit like 30 years old it's probably younger than that now but it's like um hey let's hey there's my friend you, you want to have lunch it's like yeah man we'll let's work uh, what, what's your what's my hey, two weeks from yeah well let's go let's go mid-may maybe late may but let's let's get together and have lunch and honestly by then it's not even any fun anymore like i want to have lunch with you then or the next few days or people but it's like yeah i got to schedule you you got to schedule me it's i don't know like are we going to get an agenda before the meeting or you know and uh he was in the earlier service 9 30 back this way a guy named kyle bennett a friend of mine he used to live in our neighborhood and one night i remember we were uh, not you it was me with the boys and we were driving to the movie and it was in my truck i was meeting guys at the madison malco grandview remember we'd go see movies and uh and I was driving and Kyle was out taking it Sunday night. He was taking his trash out for Monday morning pickup. And he's right there. And I go, I rolled down my window because I knew he was coming to our church. Pastors got to be nice to the neighbors, especially. I rolled down my window. I'm like, hey, Kyle, what's up? I'm going to the movie. He's like, I want to go, and I'm like, get in. And I thought there's no shot he's getting in. Kyle got in my truck. Like, (laughs) he didn't even go to the house. He didn't walk. Like, let me get my keys. Let me get my wallet. I might have paid for his movie. I'm not sure. But like, he just hopped in. I think he had shoes. But I'm like, that was just that was the most spontaneous. Like, when's the last time you've done something like that? And I'll challenge you to think about this. I don't have a Bible verse. I don't need a Bible verse. Listen, the funnest things you do are spontaneous things. Look at your pets. Look at your little children. Think about your life when everything wasn't monotonous, when it was magical. You had room. And here's what we're saying, uh, flowing from James, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick, slow is a pace thing. It's a margin thing. Uh, we're committed. Uh, I'm gonna sneak this in here. But when it comes to money, we do an 80% thing. We live on 80% that we get every month. We get paid every two weeks. We give 10% as an act of worship to our local church called Fondren Church. We save 10% and then we live on the 80. But do you think about that in relation to your time? Do you have room where everything's not scheduled out? And if you're going 100% now, here's the funny thing. um, We're kind of clean freaks. We like things to be organized, although we have drawers in certain parts of the garage and my closet that's not always completely clean. But one of the things that's kind of embarrassing to us is when you walk out our back door, the door that leads to the garage, that leads to the vehicles, where we are reminded that we're in a hurry a lot of times. And we there's shoes there. And some of them are slip-on shoes. And then, you know, there's Sunday church shoes, right? And they're not slip-on shoes. But we treat all of our shoes the same. We act like they're all slip-on shoes. And here's the sad thing. Even the slip-on shoes, they're pressed down. Isn't this embarrassing? Like we were talking about this. They're pressed down. So the back part of the shoe is like, Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like it's pressed down. It's flat like a pancake. It's really ugly and it's embarrassing. I've never been walking around where somebody's like, hey, look at the back part of your shoes. But it's just funny how that is. Funny, not funny. But it's just a reminder that we're in such a hurry sometimes. We're going so fast that like we're not even having time to put on our shoes properly. Is it just me? Y'all look at your shoes when you get home and tell me (laughs) and email me if, uh, if that's true of you.
1: Back to James, it's also a book about wisdom. So there's some verses in Proverbs. Proverbs twenty nine eleven fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Proverbs fourteen seven, stay away from a fool, for you will not find knowledge on their lips. And twenty three nine, do not speak to fools, for they will scorn your prudent words. You know, as I read these over yesterday, I had two thoughts. One was with anger, it's, there's always something below the surface and a fool does not necessarily make that connection. They're not attending to what's going on on the inside and the whys of why you're feeling angry. And then also refuse to be fooled by a fool. So don't be brought up, be aware of the influence that a foolish person can have on your own anger and establish a boundary. Mm -hmm. There's a few more things. Fools always are mad at something. They have a toxic tongue, they never apologize, and they repeat their patterns.
0: Anybody feel heavy right now? Because there's been a few snapshots. You can take my life at a few low points and I've been all those things. <laughs> you know, Proverbs, the point Susan's making is James is in the New Testament and it's like the Proverbs of the New Testament. And Proverbs and James have a lot to say about being mad, about being angry, about your rage. They have a lot to say about the the speed of your life, about whether you're gonna be a wise person or a foolish person. And there's been times when I've been All of these things at times, God in his grace has not allowed me to stay there. He's ruffled my feathers and put pointed sharp things in my life to get my attention. He's brought his discipline and his loving reproof in my life. But that's been true. But if someone just stays there and stays there, Scripture tells us we got to be careful. They're going to bring you down to their level of rage. James three, as we round toward home, gives a few or gives two questions I'm going to ask you today. James three asks this in thir- verse thirteen. He says, "Who is wise and understanding among you?" That's the first question. Who is wise and understanding among you? What is wisdom? Listen, wise people are not necessarily the smartest people. Wise people. This is not intellectual prowess. It's not how well someone does on a standardized achievement test. Test. Sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes the good test takers are the ones who are living very foolishly. And the folks who are struggling to get the C are the ones that are making some good decisions. And so what is, who is the wise among you? Now, he's going to go on and say, Nick Crawford hears me talk about this a lot because we have to make decisions that affect people and that affect our future. And Nick hears me talk about James 3 a lot. The, ne- the next two verses after that, it talks about earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom, demonic wisdom and wisdom that's from above. And good wisdom is pure and peaceable and gentle and open to reason. Are you open to reason or angry people aren't? Will you listen to the other side? We're very different. Nick and I are very different. God's funny and he puts people in your life very different from you. Listen to them. How he makes decisions, how he thinks about things are different than how I think it affects the church. Our whole, My whole life is right here. My, this is my deepest, fondest, earthly commitment. And she's different than me. Am I open to reason or do I move fast, foolishly? And it's pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, and it's open to reason. Who's the wise person? Let me put it this way. The wise person is the person who sees that life is connected. How much of life is connected? Can I tell you? All of life is connected. Like, it is all. Like The science world is learning that now. It's so true in the spiritual ecosystem. It's connected, y'all. It's connected. Like she said, when you see, when you see smoke, look at the fire. Look inside. It's connected and wise people get that. Here's two observations he makes after this question. By his good conduct, who? The wise person. Let him show his works in the meekness, humility of his wisdom. Pride doesn't make sense. Can I say that? Um, I feel like the old grouch in the room at times, probably because I'm getting older and never grouchy. But uh, I listen to songs from all kind of different genre. I look on Instagram at athletes and famous people and you see much, so much showboating and so much flash and so much bravado and just on and on and on and it's rewarded with likes, it's rewarded with lucrative product endorsements, it's rewarded with attention, it's rewarded its fame, but pride doesn't lead to good relationships. But when you're proud, you're angry. When you make it about you, and James is saying, hey, who's wise among you? Here's what you're going to do. You're going to actually see it in your life because wise people, Jesus taught in Matthew 7, Sermon on the Mount, the difference between a foolish person and a wise person, they build houses, one builds on the sand, one builds on the rock. A storm comes, a storm comes to both of them. Don't ever attach to God promises he had made in your life. Storms are coming. Listen, everybody, we preach at some at Furniture. Church, storms are coming. It, it, the message of the gospel is never live a wise life and you'll have less storms. Like, it ain't in here. Storms are coming to everybody, but the difference is, the sand and the rock is who does something about what they hear and who doesn't do anything about what they hear. Yesterday, we hosted the Fondren Urban Ultra Marathon. Anybody participate in that? Anybody see that in our parking lot? There were tents, and it was fun, and it was festive. And Chris Mixon, our student pastor, he works with our middle school, high school students, uh, with our son. Chris ran 55 miles yesterday. What what'd y'all do? 55 miles and he got a shirt guess who else got a shirt i got a shirt guess how many miles i ran zero but i got a shirt so five years from now i'm gonna be telling people how i ran 55 miles look at my shirt right no i'm not gonna do that but i got a shirt chris deserved the shirt chris did something i'm just gonna wear the shirt it's my color it looks good on me i'm just gonna wear the shirt but i didn't do anything a foolish person just sits around on their hands do not do anything about what Jesus says. I say this often. Some of you are waiting so that you can intellectually understand everything. You know when that's going to come? Never. Never. That's never going to come. Now, you heard me say on Easter, the Christian faith is comprehensive and cohesive, and it's rigorous, and it makes sense. But look, here's here, take the step of faith, even if you don't have all the answers, even if you don't, don't want to identify yourself as a Christian. Just start following Jesus. And watch what happens. It's a better way. Watch what he does, watch what can happen to your anger because everything he says is true. And if you follow him, you'll see it played out in your life and that's the difference between, I didn't even preach that in the 9.30, I gotta hurry. Let's go to the next point. He says, but if you have bitter jealousy, he's getting into our hearts now because that's where your anger is manufactured. John Calvin says our hearts are an idol factory. A lot of stuff is made in your heart. It's where you lust, it's where you love, it's, it's the part of you that poets and philosophers and preachers talk about all the time. It's the part of me that gets proud when my kids do something great. It's the part of me that soars when Susan comes and sits next to me every Sunday by my side to say she is mine publicly. It's that That's your heart. It's where hope is born and character is formed. That's your heart. And James is saying, look out. If you let bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast and be false to the truth. Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, if you make it about you and make it about getting your way, you will be an angry person. So humility, moving away from selfish ambition, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, it moves you to a place in your most important relationships, in every relationship where you can say, hey, this wasn't all my fault, but I'll own my part. Hey, this has been both humiliating and freeing in marriage. To look at the other person, and it's been harder for me, but to say, hey, you know what? I'm mad because I'm not getting my way. And it's freeing to identify that. And then something gets to, you're not letting the ship. One version says, don't let bitter jealous, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition harbor in your heart. In other words, don't let that ship stay there. Let, let that ship sail. Nothing wrong. Hey, men, we don't want to emasculate you on Sunday morning. Ain't nothing wrong with having ambition. Like... Seek dominion seek to make a living, seek to be successful. Man, hit the gym hard, love your people well, have goals, man, hobbies and go after it and do all the things that it said in Genesis to subdue and have dominion over the earth and be a person of ambition, but selfish ambition will lead you to anger because your kingdom will be thwarted. You won't get your way and other people will be in your way. So here's the question that matters. We're gonna close, start to close with this. The second question, the first was, who is wise and understanding among you? The second is this, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? I want to be silent for a few seconds and I want you to read the question to yourself and tell me what could be, what could be good about it. We're resistant when we read that. Here's how we live. We don't say what causes fights. That's not our question. It's who. Hey, James, don't, don't ask me what causes. Don't ask me What? because you're gonna get in my business. Let's talk about who, because you know who causes fights and quarrels? My mom, you know, who causes, you know my son, my wife, my kid, that friend, that difficult coworker. It's always a who. Don't ask me what causes, ask me who and I'll tell you who they are. And James is saying, let's go different. Because if you think it's a who, you're gonna miss the what. And there's a what underneath the surface of your life and the what is causing and here's the here's where he goes with this he says this is it not this like a laser guided smart bomb that's going to hit its target isn't it your passions that are at war within you (laughs) yes 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 hey babe sometimes it's not all my fault but I need to own my part. Can I tell you, I'm mad because I'm not getting my way. I don't, let the, I don't let bitter jealousy and selfish ambition dock. I don't let it harbor and we can move on in the space between us and the spaces that matter, the space that matters with God. So i want to leave you, we wanna leave you with three uh, forks in the road. The, right here. You can live one of a few ways. You you can live with the get everyone to behave philosophy. Or you can follow the one who forgave. You can get up every day and say, I'm going to change my circumstances. Or you can live with this posture. Change my heart's stance. You can live mad. Or you can release it to God. Let me say this about circumstances. Traffic is going to be bad. Referees are not always going to get the right call. Friends are not always going to agree with you. I want my food hot. I want my package delivered. I want my friends to always agree with me. Is that that what you're going to put your hopes of happiness on? Because if so, I want to know why you're going to be angry all the time. And you're living your life with the, I'm going to change my circumstances. Here's a better way. God changed my heart stance. That's a deeper spiritual work that he can do. Remember what Jesus said kind of famously in this world, John 16. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world nothing in there about your circumstances being good and favorable often but your heart being changed your heart being attuned about no matter what happens whether it's peaceful waters or raging sea it's all the same to me no matter the circumstances because there's something deeper in there that's the work that he's doing in our heart you can live mad or you can release it to God. So, Susan and I are going to stand, and we're actually going to ask you to stand. And before we sing and go, I think we're on pace to get you out close to the time. I want to put up some passages. Are y'all still here? You still hearing me out there? I want to put up some passages, and I want you to just, in the moment as you're standing, uh, to meditate on these truths from the Word and let uh, God minister to you in the moment try try to eliminate any commotion or any any of what's next in your heart and just focus on these passages and we'll sing before we go our hissy fits for anger and our rage Lord let us not buy into a myth, a misnomer a lie that we'll get over it when we get even Lord show us a better way a better way than trying to change our circumstances or making other people behave But that we would follow the one who forgave us who does not treat us according to what our sins deserve but who's a father who had a son who came and gave his life for us and tells a story of a son who rebelled against his father and came to the end of himself and comes home and the father does something that dignified religious uh, dignitaries don't do. He ran and he embraced and he celebrated and gave that sinful son his best. And I thank you that you do that and that it is not our job to make people behave around us. But to follow you and as we follow you we know that we're loved and we know that we're forgiven and many of us have had an earthly father who would discipline us without love and give us commands without love who would say because I said so and you would call us into a relationship of obedience because you love us and I pray that we would walk, walk further and further away from being angry all the time Diffuse it, channel it, heal it. In Jesus we pray, amen.